0: Welcome to Kyle. This is our last Kyle of the quarter. It's so sad. Um, I have a I have a picture. I should have a picture. This is our Christmas tree this year. Yeah. It's so cute. It's a plant, so it's like alive. I love plants, and I love Christmas, so it's like the two best things in one. Oh, this cute little Christmas tree topper on it. I love it. Um, so that's cri- our. Are we good? Okay. So that's our Christmas tree this year. Um, I'm really excited about Christmas. My Bible pastor is all good. Everybody have a Bible? Yeah. Okay. We're going to read in Acts 8. Um, so you guys could turn there with me. Acts 8. It's in the second half of your Bible after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's Acts. All right. I'm going to start reading as you guys turn there. So Acts 8, we're going to read the whole chapter. And Saul approved of their killing him, him being Stephen. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Um, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women, and he put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had mazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and the miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived... They prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the spirit was given at the laying on on of the hand, hmm, that's hard, (laughs) spirit at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that Everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he might forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many Samaritan villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked him. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Aztos, my best guess, and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns, until he reached Caesarea. Cool. So that was the chapter 8 of Acts. Um, earlier on in Acts, we see in Acts 1, four through 4-5, it says, On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak of. But John, baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then further on in chapter 1, 7 through 8, it says, and he said to them, it was not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here we are in Acts 8, and we're getting to see this scattering of believers. So for the first time, believers are going out of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. And that's what Jesus was talking about in Acts 1, 7 through 8. So Philip is one of the first missionaries, one of the first people to head out. Um, So once upon a time, I was a freshman in college. At that point in my life, I personally had a pretty clear idea about what I wanted my life to look like. So I wanted to get my film degree. I wanted to network with people, get to know people. I wanted to move to LA. I wanted to become a production assistant on a job, uh, on a big film. I wanted to slowly, over the course of my life, work my way up the ladder. You know, when I was in middle school, I watched The the Lord of the Rings. There are special features. It's like hours (laughs) of special features. And from that moment on, I was like, I want to be on a film set. Like That's what I want to do. I knew I wanted to be a director someday, so I I started acting so that I could learn how to direct actors. You know, I I started, like, thinking ahead as a middle schooler, like, preparing myself. Um, My friends would help me make films in high school. Um, I taught myself how to write scripts and edit footage. You know, I knew my direction, and I was preparing myself with all of the resources I had. I read books, I read scripts, I watched classic films like Psycho and Godfather. I found a a mentor in high school. Um, She worked with King 5, and she taught me how to um, tell stories with editing and sound. Um, If you had asked me what my life goal or purpose at that point in my life was, it would have been very clear to me. My life's purpose was to work hard and someday get to tell stories and make amazing films. That was my life purpose. And I was passionate about it. You know, this, is what I, this is what I wanted to do. Like, I believed in it. So I showed up on Central's campus as a freshman in college with my life planned out. Um, and God, at the time, he was like a side project, like an you know, afterthought. Oh, yeah, I went to church. So that's how I was when I showed up on campus. Um, When you guys showed up on campus this quarter, we went through the whole quarter, and we learned a lot of things. You know, we learned about worship, we learned about prayer, fellowship, discipleship, we learned about being on mission with Jesus. You have received helpful ways to pray, study the Bible, know who God is, and draw closer to him. You have your own Bible. You can read it. You have a notebook, probably. You can write down some prayers and some thoughts in it. And I bet you know... um, is this okay? Should I change mics, Haley? Okay. Um, So I bet you know uh, a church in town in Ellensburg or in your own hometown, so you know where a church is and how to get there. You have all the resources you will ever need at your fingertips. And next week, you're going to go home for over three weeks, and you're going to have lots of choices. And I think we have the ability to choose what our life is going to mean And winter break is one of those times where we get to make lots of good choices and so many bad ones. All the things we learned this quarter, all the ways we grew, all the things we've gone through are going to just be gone the moment you walk through your parents' front door. All of the good habits are going to mysteriously disappear, and all those bad habits from your childhood are going to be waiting there for you, ready to welcome you home. Tonight, we're going to focus on an ordinary person and in hope that he might guide us a little bit with his story and the choices that he made. So, tonight, we're going to talk about Philip. Um, So, behind me is actually a map of his journey. Um, You can see there's like three orange dots that I made. So, there's Jerusalem, and then there's an arrow up to Samaria. So, that was his first journey. And then there's like this road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And somewhere in that road, he would have met the Ethiopian. And then he ap- went from Gaza or somewhere in that road all of a sudden to that third dot over there, closer to the water. And I can't say that name. Um, it's like Aztus or something. Um, so he heads there. And then from there, he goes all the way up, preaching the gospel, all the way till he gets to Caesarea. So that's Philip's journey. As you can see, m- amazing that he suddenly showed up in a place kind of far away from the place he was. So he has a, an interesting journey. Um, but who is Philip? So the first time we see Philip, he actually shows up in Luke 10.1, possibly. So when Jesus sends out 72 men in pairs to preach the gospel, um, they think that he was possibly one of those guys. Then later on in Acts 6, He is one of the seven men chosen by Stephen to serve, or chosen with Stephen, um, to serve the widows and the orphans. And in Acts eight, he is chased out of Jerusalem. Uh, The persecution at the time was mainly aimed at Greek-speaking Jewish Christians, or the Hellenistic Jews. Um, So he gets chased out, while people like um, Peter and John, um, because they're Hebrew-speaking, they could stay in Jerusalem. But Philip gets chased out. He has to leave his family. He has to leave his home, his job, his friends. He has to leave everything behind. He's on the run. He's going to places where there are no Christians. But he's hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, and he's going where the Holy Spirit is telling him. Then the final time we meet Philip is in Acts 21. He's settled in Caesarea, which is the last place he shows up on the map, and he has four unmarried daughters who have the gift of prophecy random. It's pretty cool. Four unmarried daughters who can prophesy. Great, Philip. Um, Paul and uh, Luke stay with him for a few days before they continue on to Jerusalem. And that's the last time we see Philip. Um, In Acts 8, we just read about Philip, and it says that Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Philip is someone who is, like, performing signs and wonders. He's letting the Spirit work through him. And then later on in Acts 8, we see him again, and it's the story of him with the Ethiopian. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasuries of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah. And this story goes on and talks about how Philip, you know, shared the gospel with him, how this person was open to hearing the gospel, and then he wanted to get baptized, and Philip baptizes him. And then suddenly he's gone. The, ho- the Holy Spirit took him somewhere else. And he goes on and he continues to preach in the towns. I really like this Philip guy. I think there's a, a great description of him in Acts 6. It says, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. You know, Philip was one of these seven men that were chosen so we can assume that he was full of Spirit of Spirit and wisdom. So he's this ordinary person who is very spiritually mature? He's a spirit filled man. So he's very normal, very ordinary, but very mature. Something that r- really strikes me about Philip is that so much of what he does in his story would be impossible without the Holy Spirit. Um, Philip is doing wonders and signs, and he's healing people, he's preaching the gospel and baptizing people. This man is working hard. But we can see that the Holy Spirit is empowering Philip to do all of these things. Wrongly, I think a strength of Philip, a strength that Philip has that I think is like really clear, is the fact that his purpose is very clear to him. He knows who he is. He's consistent in who he is. He's consistent in his following of Jesus, and he's faithful. I think that is one of the greatest strengths of Philip. Um, there's a book called Habitudes. And in one of the chapters, um, it's called The Life Sentence. It's all about what is it going to say on your gravestone when you die? So what is the meaning of your life? Um, So this book tells a great story. I love this story so much. More than 100 years ago, a Jewish chemist, or Swedish, not Jewish, Phillips Jewish, a Swedish chemist named Alfred Noble opened up his morning newspaper and got quite a shock he found his name listed in the obituary column. The columnist had confused him with his brother, who had recently passed away. Hmm, what an interesting predicament. Alfred had the opportunity to read his life sentence in the paper, and here's what he read. Alfred Noble, a chemist, died a wealthy man. As the inventor of dynamite, he enabled people to kill each other more efficiently than ever before. Reading those words was an eye-opening experience for him. He was actually being remembered for inventing dynamite and for aiding the killing of multitudes. Clearly, that was not how he wanted to be remembered. So Alfred took action. He set his wealth aside in a fund that was to be given to people who promoted peace and not killing. This fund still exists today. It's known as the Nobel Peace Prize. What's more... I love that Alfred Noble observed later in his life, he said, I believe everyone deserves a chance to change their obituary in the middle of their life. I would agree. So, that book, um, Habitudes, that tells this story, goes on to ask some tough questions that I really appreciate. And I have them up here. And they are what are your burdens, your passions, your desires, opportunities, what are your talents? And what are your acquired skills? So take a moment, write those down, maybe leave some space to be able to like write some stuff underneath them. What are your burdens, your passions, your desires, your opportunities, your talents, and your acquired skills? And then, once you guys are done writing that, we're going to write down four statements that this book has. And these four statements are meant to be a scale, so you can rate yourself on a scale from poor to excellent. You don't have to do this, but you can if you want, on these statements. So the first one is, my lifestyle vividly displays my values and my purpose in life. Whoa. I have a clear understanding of my one-sentence purpose in life. People can tell what my purpose is by the way I lead others. And I am aware of my influence and consider how I affect others in my life. So take a moment, write, your scale, write yourself on a scale of poor to excellent for these questions, and then you know, maybe write a little something in your journal or on your phone about these things. know that's a lot and you'll have a chance to maybe write some more later. There's some big questions and statements to consider. Um, so my freshman, year, this mic. my freshman year, I knew my life purpose uh, or at least I thought what my life purpose was. Um, I thought I knew it. Um, so it, having that life purpose, it drove me to make a series of decisions. You know, I had a path, I had a goal, I had a dream. I made good decisions to get myself to to that place as best as I could. I think also Philip knew the answer to these questions. It's very challenging to be a person who follows Jesus and obeys the voice of the Holy Spirit without knowing the answers to these questions. So here's the big question for you. What is your one-sentence purpose? Can you articulate that right now? I want you to turn to your neighbour. I want you to ask them what their one sentence purpose is and also share yours. Ready, go. All right, finish it up. What do you guys think Philip's one-sentence purpose was? It might have been something like, since I have experienced the full forgiveness of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, I will obey the voice of the Holy Spirit and take these things to others. Or, I am fully forgiven and free, and I want that for others. Or, my life's purpose is to bring God's glory on this earth in any way that he might ask me. Maybe those were Phillips' one purpose, life, whatever. What did I call it? One sentence purpose. There we go. So when you know your purpose, it's pretty easy to act on that. You know, I was ahead of so many of my classmates um, because I'd been preparing myself. You know, it wasn't just like a major that I'd picked because it sounded fun. It was like my dream. I had a purpose. And actually, when Jesus offered me a different purpose for my life, it wasn't very hard to convince me to change. And I think the reason is because I recognized what Jesus was offering me was so much better than anything that my dreams could do. You know, I could see the lack in my life's purpose. And his purpose was so attractive in comparison. We talked about uh, Stephen a few weeks ago, and I asked a question, how much do you and I rely on the Holy Spirit and not ourselves in our stressful moments? I think Stephen also knew his life purpose very clearly. You don't die for something unless it's so true in your life that your only option is to die for it. You know, you can see the same awareness and dedication in Philip's life. You know, he didn't have a life-threatening situation in his story like Stephen, but he never stopped obeying the Holy Spirit's guidings. His life purpose was to obey the Holy Spirit. So I think, you know, your life purpose can change. Mine did. But I don't think, you know, I think I would have missed out on a lot of things if I didn't have some purpose in my life. There are so many growing opportunities, maturing. I was getting pushed out of my comfort zone. You know, I grew spiritually even when my goal wasn't spiritual. Foundational building blocks were created in my life because I had a purpose. And so many things um, have been easier in my life because I had worked on that foundation early on. Um, So we don't become spiritual giants overnight. We don't even become great followers of Jesus in a couple of weeks or in one quarter of school. We become followers of Jesus as we build slowly with him, our life purpose. And through that, you know, everything else comes. But if you're like Simon, the sorcerer in in Acts 8, and you just want this ability to do amazing things for God or for yourself, I think you're going to find a lot of disappointment. You know, seek instead to know Jesus and to ask him what his life's purpose is for you. You know, if you struggle reading the Bible, don't give up. You know, reading the Bible is not a magical cure. It's a lifelong journey. If you have a hard time knowing if God is hearing you, or you're having a hard time hearing God's voice, you know, maybe take a step back. Why do you want to hear God's voice? What are you wanting him to say to you? Are you not hearing him because he's not saying what you want him to say? I need to choose, we need to choose to follow in the footsteps of Philip who followed in the footsteps of Jesus. You know, Jesus really <laughs> knew his life purpose. He knew exactly what his life was going to mean and add up to. You know, every moment of the day, he spent building up to that purpose. Um, so in conclusion, uh, the worship team can come on down as I finish up. So our life purpose is is sometimes set in some ways. You know, like my life purpose might be I follow Jesus and I strive to obey his commands and live out his callings in my life. Or maybe it's my life purpose is to bring God glory and right now that's through campus ministry. My life's purpose is also flexible. You know, I don't have to have a 50-year plan. I don't even need to know what I'm going to do five years from now. I just need to continue to faithfully follow and build with Jesus and I know what that means this week and I know what that means next week and a month from now what that's going to mean and I think that can be the same for you so tonight we're going to reflect on those questions and the, the statements that I had before um, what are your burdens your passions desires opportunities talents acquired skills maybe reflect on those like what are those for you Have you ever, like, thought about what are your passions? What are you passionate about? And then also reflect on the four statements. My lifestyle vividly displays my values and my purpose in life. I have a clear understanding of my one-sentence purpose in life. And people can tell what my purpose is by the way I lead others. And I'm aware of my influence and consider how I affect others in my life. Make sure you guys write those down. So we're going to take communion tonight. Um, the team is going to play a song. So you have one song. To head back, there's a table on that side and a table on that side. Um, you'll get a cup with the juice in it and then a piece of bread. And There should be gluten-free. Is gluten-free on one side? Is it on both sides? Gluten-free is on that side. Um, so make sure you get the cup and the bread You're going to hold on to it. So hold on to the cup and the bread. We're going to take it together. Um, So I'm going to come back down in one song and lead us in taking that together. Um, So let's pray really fast to lead us into worship tonight. Dearly Father, thank you so much that you give us so much meaning in our life and so much purpose. Thank you for people like Philip who give us these amazing examples of what it looks like uh, to follow you and to be faithful and consistent and our following of you. Thank you for coming yourself and being here with us to show us what it's like to follow you, to show us what it's like to be a disciple. Thank you so much for, um, yeah, just being someone who loves us and wants to build with us and build our lives and our purposes. That You don't expect us to be amazing tomorrow, but you're ready and willing to build with us slowly, God. Thank you so much for that. I pray that you would bless the rest of this evening, Lord. In your name. Amen.